Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Campionato di calcio italiano. Good evening, hello and welcome back to the latest Forza Italian Football Podcast. As always, I am your host, Connor Clancy, and I have a familiar face and a new face joining me this week. The familiar one and voice, for those of you listening, is Vito Doria. Vito, hello. Hello, Connor. How are you keeping, mate? Uh, Just the usual with me. Nothing out of the ordinary. Another week of Serie A. That grunt. The listeners can take from that that Sampdoria's result wasn't too favourable for you this week. <laughs> but hopefully we do have someone here who can lighten your mood a bit. Because we've got debutant Ben Hughes. Ben, you are FIF's Sardinian resident. It's nice to have you on the pod. Hello, hello guys. Hello everyone. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to make it on. Um, trying my best to enjoy the football here in Sardinia. And I think Cagliari are making that pretty easy for me at the moment. So... Uh, Unlike Vito, I'm having a, an easy ride of it. Yeah, absolutely you are. Um, do you know what? Let's completely break from tradition, given the occasion, Ben. And we'll start with Cagliari. I was at their game this week. They were here in Emilia Romagna to play Sassuolo in, in my favourite little town of Reggio Emilia. And it looked really, really concerning for them. They were 2-0 down at halftime. They were playing terribly. Sassuolo were quite on their game. But Cagliari showed... A real fight. They fought back, got a last-minute equaliser, 2-2. They're now in the top four. What's the atmosphere in Sardinia like with Cagliari doing this? Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting, you know, because um, they seem to have this, this, this never-say-die attitude, this, uh, this bounce-back ability. Um, I, think it's, I think it's something that people didn't expect. Obviously, after losing uh, Nicolo Barella last year, um, and having watched him myself, you know, uh, the way he ran the game for them, he was, he was last season was really probably in the end the, the person that kept them up. I mean, 
they were in a bit of a scrap down there. And when they needed a bit of class on the ball, you know, he was he was the guy that was head and shoulders above the rest of them. So then, like, to lose him and people are thinking, like, what's going to happen now? This is this is only going one way. And uh, yeah, um, astute signings. And of course, you know, now the key man, Raja, uh, the ninja, is uh, is running the show. I think you'll agree with that. I mean, he's he's on five assists. I think got himself what like six goals, five or six goals. Um, yeah, well, even even the first half, he was the only Cali player that was actually doing something on on Sunday. And you could see that he was kind of that level above everyone else. But what what really strikes me about this Cali team is you look at them individually and like I said, they, they lost arguably their best player. If Barella was still there this year, he would still possibly be their best player and they don't have many really outstanding talents. You've got Giovanni Simeone who might be the biggest name aside from Langolan and he was kind of shipped out of Fiorentina but just so good as a unit. They remind me a little bit of that Atalanta team from three years ago and but they they got that superstar in Langolan in there and is Nangalan that much or that much help to all of his teammates to just that he elevate them a little bit? Well, yeah, I think I think I think from my point of view, you know, when I'm at the ground, I can see him. I can see him rallying the guys. Um, it, it just seems to give everyone a lift, you know. When he's on the ball, there's that extra expectation, you know. When his name's read out before the game, it obviously brings the loudest cheer. He's a uh, He's, he's the talisman now. But I think what's important is the fact you've got Rog, Nandez and Chigarini behind him willing to do all of the dirty work, let's say, which allows him to then, you know, get on the ball in and around the box and do what he's been doing, unleashing these shots. And so far, so good. I mean, they're flying in the top corner. He's got a goal of the season contender already. And um, just uh, everything is turning to gold for him. Um, as for Simeone, I agree. Uh when he came in, it was kind of like a dubious one. People were thinking, well, you know, what's he going to do for us? But again, he's, you know, he's, he's running off the shoulder of the last defender. He's making things difficult. And when they come together as a unit, they're really, they're really solid. They're really compact. And um, no, he definitely gives them the edge, Nangolan. Definitely. Yeah. I'll throw it over to you, Vito. You've been sitting patiently and quietly there. Cagliari are already on 29 points. They've won eight games. Last season, they won 10 games and finished on 41 points. So, already, after 15 games, they're only 12 points shy of their tally from last season. How much longer can this actually continue for? It's not easy to make a prediction in these circumstances, but uh, based on the way they've been playing so far, and also on some of the individuals that they've had there, um, I don't think they would drop off too much, to be honest. I don't think in the second half of the season they'll drop off so badly that they would get caught up in the relegation battle. I think the Champions League might be a bit of a stretch, considering what they have in their squad at the moment and also what some of the other sides have. And we also need to consider if some of the other sides change their coaches soon. With what they do have now, though, is that they're still playing... Very good football. Um, you have Nangolan there who's been fantastic, but most of the others, like Ben mentioned, like Rog, Chigarini, they've been playing well. Pizzicane has been playing well in defence. Pellegrini makes a lot of runs from left back. And Joel Pedro's having the best season of his career too. Robin Olsen, much more 
this year he's been doing well in place of Alessio Cranio. And without Cranio and Pavoletti, they're getting results. So I think in the second half of the season, if they can get one of those two back or both, I think that would be very good for Rolando Maran. And hopefully having those two guys could, you know, sustain any sort of progress in the second half of the season. You have to think it would take something quite remarkable for them to not finish in the top 10, right? But I almost feel a bit disrespectful speaking about them in those sorts of terms because I was the first person on here those years ago when Gasparini first came in at Atalanta said, you can't write them off, you can't write them off, look, they're doing it. So same logic must be applied to Cagliari. And as long as they keep doing this, they've only lost two games. I mean, that's the same number as Lazio. It's only one more than Juve. To lose two games, they, their draw at Sassuolo made them unbeaten in 13, which is something they hadn't done since 1972. And Ben, is the belief growing week on week at the, the stadium? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And like you say, they lost two games, and those two games were the first two games. Um, you know, they lost to a penalty in the first game. And then obviously they lost to Juventus 2-1, uh, also a Lukaku penalty. Um, so, you know, then since, since then they've just picked up momentum and they've kept on going. And the belief definitely is growing. And it's funny, actually, like going into bars of a weekend, talking to locals, and they keep talking about Gigi Riva, Gigi Riva and the Scudetto, 70. And um, I know. <laughs> it's actually quite funny, but I don't think they've had anything to shout about for quite a long time. Obviously, um, it wasn't so long ago they were in Serie B, one promotion, and now they're they're looking towards the Champions League spot. And uh, I think if they keep this this let's say the first eleven fit, and um, the lads the lads that are coming off the bench were, you know, again nothing was expected of them like Jerry. Um, He's not really given <laughs> much of a chance. Uh, kind of, uh, he's one of those that when he steps on the pitch, people are like in the stands, turning around, head in hands. Uh, oh no, not again, kind of thing. But um, obviously, the two games against Samp in the week, um, the 96-minute winner, was an incredible header, right? And you know, if you're going to push for a top four place, you, you've got to have more than an 11. And uh, again, Ragazzo coming off the bench, a local lad. Um, getting that draw, yeah, away at Sassuolo. It's, it's a big thing. And if you've got these players that are going to step up and do it when they're perhaps not expected to do anything, that's going to play a big part in the end. A couple of injuries that they may struggle. But um, yeah, so far, the, the lads in the bench are doing their thing as well. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely it, isn't it? And there's something quite special about it. The, the local guy doing it. Maybe this is one of the reasons why I like Atalanta and kind of fell for them. When I did, they they have local players who generally play there, and you could see how much it meant to the whole Cagliari squad when Ragazzi got that goal. They were all on the pitch, and I know that happens quite often in Italy, but no, it was it was a really really good thing. But anyway, Vito, I'm gonna put you under a bit of pressure here. Give me a number, one to twenty. Where Cagliari finished in this season? Uh, I'd go fifth. Oh, take that! Take that! I'll take that. Um, I, I, I'm actually not so optimistic. I would say seventh. 
think they may uh, fall off. Do you know what? I'm going gonna, gonna to join you on that, and I'm apologising, but I'm looking, and I can see Roman Atalanta definitely finishing ahead of them. So, sorry, Sardinia, but if you guys prove me wrong, I'll be the first to hold my hands up and be happy for you. But anyway, let's go to the top of the table. Inter are still there, despite drawing with Roma in the first game of this weekend. And Vito, I thought it was quite impressive. Roma and Chris Maldini, the first team to stop Inter from scoring in Serie A this season. Yeah, it's quite a fantastic achievement on Roma's part to do that, especially when you consider that uh, partnership with Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez, they've been clicking and they've both been in superb form as individuals as well. If I look at the game in general, I thought it was a case of both defences were on top as opposed to the technical quality or the attacking quality being poor. I think uh, yeah, both sides uh, deserve praise for the defensive displays and Smalling, once again, had another excellent game for the Giallorossi. Yeah, well, we saw Brozovic and Lukaku both missed quite good chances. They came very close, certainly for Inter in the first half. Um, ben, were you thinking that this was a big missed opportunity when Inter didn't really ramp up the pressure with a win on Friday? Uh, I think in the grand scheme of things, maybe not, because I still think that Juve have probably got a lot um, to give yet. Um I know Inter, you know, everyone's liking to say that this is, this is a title race, and it is so far, and it's the most exciting probably that we, we've had in years. Napoli ran them close uh, the other season, but um, yeah, I think obviously it's a big opportunity dropped on the day, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's going to be as close as people are touting. I think that a um, couple of injuries, for example, if they lose Martinez or Lukaku, uh, I think Lukaku's bought them a lot since he's come in from United. Um, he's offering a different physical presence, something completely different. Um, bit of a talisman himself for Inter. And I just can't help but feel if they pick up a couple of injuries, then same story as for Cagliari. I think they may start to suffer, whereas obviously everyone knows what Juve have in reserve. Well, this is it, right? Inter are looking at bringing in Olivier Giroud. So they, they clearly want another presence up top. And Vito, Giroud wants to play more regular football. If he goes to Inter, he's probably still going to be second string. But we've seen him as being a guy who can impact games from the bench or as a back striker when he's given the opportunity. Is he someone that you could see helping Inter make that push for the Scudetto? Uh, Giroud... I'm not so confident about him. Age is one thing, but also sometimes it might even be the tactical role as well. If he's there to be a backup to Lukaku, then I can't see him getting his wish of regular playing time. Perhaps he might be used more in the Coppa Italia or even in the Champions League, a bit like last season when Maurizio Sarri at Chelsea used him for Europa League matches. If uh, he was going to play in the league, I wouldn't think he'd be utilised all that often anyway, unless, you know, I hope it doesn't happen, that Lukaku suffers an injury. But uh, I th- personally, I believe if Giroud, if he's that focused on regular playing time, he'd be better off going somewhere other than Inter. Lazio continued their good form and beat Juventus 3-1 at the Stadio Olimpico. Um, is it time that we start calling them 
inconsistent because, I mean, they're only three points behind Juve. They've got 33 from their 15 games. And Simone Inzaghi has finally got this squad performing above themselves again. No, no, I mean, what here? And um, yeah, I mean, what have we got? Alberto on 11 assists and Immobile on 17 goals. So, I mean, they're, they're both standouts, complete standouts in the league in terms of individual performances. So, um, you know, they're, they're racking up the, the goals and assists between the both of them. Plus, I think Milinkovic Savic is coming into his own somewhat. You know, there's a lot of talk surrounding, surrounding the guy, and he's been linked away with. Ridiculous big money moves, I think, to United last summer. I think it was touted as 90 million or something. And then kind of tailed off. Um, people were saying, well, hang on, is he a bit of a one season wonder, a bit of a hit and miss player? But, um, you know, he's starting to click again. And uh, obviously, being a Liverpool fan, it's good to see uh, the ex boys like Lucas as well putting in solid performances. Um, yeah. Is yellow well, the game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've come in as a replacement for Kev just to keep our Liverpool quota up more than anything else and our Lucas fan club still has a member but no, Lucas is so important to that team and he's someone that kind of gets overlooked because of the brilliance of Luis Alberto, Giro Mobile and Milinkovic Savic when he's on it what was the biggest surprise in this game Vito that Giro Mobile didn't even score and Lazio beat Juve 3-1 it, it is surprising, and what was also surprising was that was probably his worst league performance for the season, and Lazio still managed to win. He had the chance to score from the penalty spot, but uh, Wojciech Szczesny made that double save, and uh, yeah, his uh, run has been stopped temporarily. If Lazio can get other wins without Immobile scoring or him still playing poorly, I think that's a positive sign for them going forward because it shows that they don't always have to depend on one player scoring the goals. You look at the goal scores, the first one was from Luis Felipe, who's a defender. Second goal was from Milinkovic Savic and an exquisite one too. And then the third one was Caicedo coming off the bench. But uh, probably if Lazzari had more composure or placed his shot better, he probably could have got it on the first time instead of waiting for Caicedo to get the rebound. So uh, good signs for Inzaghi and Lazio if uh, they are other scoring contributors. Speaking of things that happened that we didn't necessarily expect, um, Ben, you went 1-0 up. Cristiano Ronaldo scored, looked to be another case of business as usual, but Juve had done to them what they've done to so many teams in the past. The game turned on its head. Juve aren't Juve anymore. Well, yeah, there was me bigging them up, you know, a couple of minutes ago <laughs> about squad depth <laughs> and uh, the mentality monsters of Juve. But no, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's controversial, but I think what's going on with Cristiano at the moment is... Uh, perhaps upsetting them a little bit. I think he's unhappy himself. Clearly, there have been a few situations of late where, you know, we've seen him strop as he tends to do when things don't go his way. Um, I'm just wondering if he's kind of upsetting the, the apple cart there a little bit and if, because things aren't going his way, perhaps, you know, he, you know when, when he's not past the ball, I think he tends to flap his arms around a bit and strop a bit and... Uh, I think I saw a stat, actually, that he's had, like, five uh, shots per game average, which is, like, 
two or three more than the next player in Serie A. So, you know, he's shooting and not scoring. Um, Ronaldo is usually competing with Messi for Ballon d'Or. Is probably was never in contention this year. I think he was lucky to get third. Um, so I don't know if that's part of the reason. Um, they've got some serious players, of course, squad depth, but something's something's not right. I don't know what you're talking about, man. Cristiano Ronaldo is the best player in Serie A. Did you not? Did you not see this? I'm quite hesitant to even speak about this, given what happened to my Twitter <laughs> notifications. Um, <laughs> my God, it's my most successful ever tweet, and I had to delete the Twitter app and not go on the website for five because I couldn't use Twitter without notifications just going mad. But in what world? Vito, was Cristiano Ronaldo the best player in Serie A last year by mm. helping Juve do what they had done seven times already or by not being the top scorer in Serie A or by not making the most... Am I missing something here? Uh, to me, it's just nothing more than a PR stunt to give it to Cristiano Ronaldo. Call me boss, but... That should have went to Fabio Quayarella. Come on, 36 yeah. years old, scoring 26 goals in a, let's say, provincial club like Sampdoria. So uh, what Quayarella did was something out of the ordinary that year. And even uh, in general terms, Ronaldo's campaign with Juventus scoring 9-10 goals was good, but nothing out of the ordinary. And by his standards, I think that was also pretty low. With what he's achieved throughout his career, Ronaldo, the bar has been set so high that getting 19 goals in a league season and then not doing a great deal in the Champions League as Juventus ended up only reaching the quarterfinals, uh, probably subpar compared to what we've become accustomed to from the Portuguese superstar. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can make a list of the the best 10 players in Serie A last season and I don't think Cristiano Ronaldo will be. I think you'd have a couple from Atalanta. You'd have Qualiarella, a few from Lazio. Ronaldo winning that award seems quite bizarre to me. But Ben, what you were saying there, I think there were reports today, today being Monday, that Cristiano Ronaldo has told his Juve teammates off. If I was still in Madrid, I'd have won that Ballon d'Or. And some signs of unhappiness creeping yeah. in there. Are, are problems brewing? Well, I don't. I don't know. I, I wouldn't like to say. All I know is that you know, um, that's that's Ronaldo in a nutshell, isn't it? I mean, love to hate him, hate to love him, um, whatever. It's like like Vito said, he's a he's a man that set standards uh, with his numbers over the years, and quite simply didn't do that last season, and he's definitely not doing it this season. And um, Messi, I think. Obviously, is Messi. They've had this competition that's gone between them for many years now. But I think it's time to, to shoot that in the head and put it to bed because, um, you know, he's just not there anymore. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but there's quite a hilarious video of Ronaldo's bloopers uh, from recent games where he's slashing shots out for throwings, falling over himself. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think... The main problem with him is that he does set such high standards that when it's not going his way, I think his teammates are going to suffer as a consequence because he's he's getting on their backs as opposed to maybe thinking, well, hang on, um, I'm not quite 
where I was and maybe I won't be again. Is it time to accept that? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Still wearing his headband as well, despite not having hair anywhere near long enough to warrant a headband. I mean, Vito, I'm looking at you. I think your hair is probably longer than Cristiano's at the moment, but I <laughs> Very don't know. quick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a strange one. Anyway, next up, Atalanta finally got another home win. They've struggled since the stadium that people are calling a new stadium, despite being a new stand, being reopened this season. But they fell behind twice to Hellas Verona and they came back and got the three points in the 94th minute, thanks to Berra Gym City. And Vito, we spoke about it with Cagliari, we'll have to say about Atalanta. This is the type of fight and never say die attitude that gets teams places. That's right. Uh, Atalanta, a team renowned for their scoring prowess, and they're not going to rest on the laurels, Atalanta. Even when things uh, don't go the way, you'd still think they've got a few goals in them. Even if they're expected to concede more, they'll find a way to get on the score sheet themselves. Di Carmine got two goals for Elas Verona, but uh, Atalanta, they managed to get uh, things in their way and uh, they got a vote to win. Not only that, for the winning goal, they had their three centre-backs combined oh. for it. So that was staggering. I think that's uh, typical of this Atalanta side and something you would expect from any team coached by Giampiero Gasparini anyway. You know, you've taken the words right out of my mouth because I was going to say, if ever there was an advert of a game for what Atalanta are, it was this one. Because the defenders were terrible at their job. But then they popped up at the other end with what was a really good move as well, right? Palomino slipped it into Toloi, who flicked it over the head of himself and the run of the fence. And Jim Shitty got thumped it in on the volley. It was something that Papu Ilicic and Muriel will be proud of. And then Atalanta Malinowski became their 11th scorer this season. I think that's more than anyone else in Serie A. And that's exactly why they're where they are. Yeah, well, like you say, when goals are coming from all over the place, um, you're not relying on, on one or two or three individuals, I think, as uh, perhaps people thought Atalanta would do, maybe. Obviously, Duvan. Um, you know, Muriel's doing bits as well. Um, but when goals are coming from all over the place, I mean, A, you've got many options, and B, the opposition don't really know what to do with you. I mean, they can't really say, all right, let's stick two men on him. Problem solved, because that's not going to happen, you know. Um, goals from midfield. You got when you got defenders flicking the ball over their own head, um, scoring goals like that. It's a sign of confidence that's flowing through the whole side, right? I think uh, it's it's good. It's a good day for any would-be Atalanta fan. Yeah, they're just they're so good to watch. And sometimes I really wish I wasn't an Atalanta fan, right? So I could just watch them and enjoy it. Whereas when I watch them, it tends to be the most stressful procedure you will go through on a Sunday afternoon, right? It, it's unbelievable. It's unbearable. But then at the end, you just think, oh, this is amazing. Because more often than not, they come out on the right side of it. But as Vito has so kindly just pointed out, Rafa Taloya's four assists this season. He, he's a centre-back. Um, and that one just kind of shows what they're all about. Because I've, I think I've spoken about it on the podcast before. I've definitely written about it before. Is They've got this weird thing under Gasp of having like a rotating centre-back. So one of the centre-backs is always 
involved in the attacks because you've got the luxury of Freuler and Theron in front of them. And usually it's Theron, but Freuler can do it too. One of them always drops in and covers, meaning Palomino, Toloi, Jim Shitty, Maziello, whoever it is, can just underwrap the pitch and not have to worry about things. When you get that numerical advantage, you're bound to score more goals. And we saw them last season. They were the top-scoring side in Serie A. They are the top-scoring side in Serie A this season as well. And they don't look like stopping. And this, Vito, is without Duban Zapata. He's been out for two months. And they're just still scoring. Oh, it's really incredible. Guys, to show that Gasparini's really drilled and trained this team exceptionally well. And when you can score goals without your best forward, it makes you wonder how good Atalanta can be once Dovin Zapata is fully fit and firing. He had an incredible season in 2018-2019. So if they can get him ready at least for the second half of the season, uh, it just will make Atalanta a much harder team to face. And, uh, you know, depending on how things go this week in the European fixtures, let's say, you know, worst case scenario, Atalanta, they finish bottom of the group. They can focus on Serie A, probably push for the Champions League again and take things from there. And, uh, yeah. You know, I think uh, in that case, Gasparini has a bit of a luxury because he doesn't have to rely on the same 11 for goals or the same starting 11 to keep performing well. He's got a bit of options that he can play around with depending on the fixtures and the quality of the opponents. Well, Atalanta are now sixth on 28 points, just one behind both Roma and Cagliari, um, who occupy fourth and fifth place. They are six, no, seven points clear of Napoli in seven. Things don't look like they're getting any better for them, Ben. They went 1-0 down against Udinese. They managed to get a draw, but, I mean, it's not great, is it? No, I mean, um, obviously, with recent goings on there as well, I think um, it's well documented the fallings out between uh, the, the players, the manager, and the powers that be at the club. I mean, I, I actually didn't see them this weekend, I must admit, but um, I watched them against Liverpool last time out in the Champions League. And um, I think for them, it was a fantastic point on the night, that night. But um, you could see from the way they set up, I mean, they set up to get smashed, basically. <laughs> they got the goal uh, on the break, which was a bit dubious, um, which was definitely a foul on Van Dijk in the build-up. But then um, the rest of the game, they sat back with literally 10 behind the ball and... They never, ever look like crossing the halfway line. Um, the way things are going for them as well in the league at the moment, like you say, snatching draws. Um, I don't know, at the start of the season, would you have said maybe that they were one of the sides to push Juve? Um, if there would be a side to push Juve. But as it stands, I mean, no one's even talking about them, really. You know, Cagliari have popped into the mix with the top four. You've got Atalanta, obviously Lazio are flying. Roma or there or thereabouts, but Napoli seems to be, uh, well, they've seemed to have fallen by the wayside already. But, yeah. It's, it's still very early in the season, too, but but seven points is a lot of ground to, to make up at, at that of the table. And you look at Atalanta, Roma, Lazio, I suppose we've got to say Cagliari as well, you can't see them dropping too many points. And Napoli then accumulating the maximum possible to overturn that. They will do very, very well to even get a European place this season, Ben. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, 
I'm 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 talking from a bias point of view here, Cagliari point of view, obviously. Um, they have three tough fixtures after Christmas, which are Juve, Milan, and Inter. But um, I think you know if Napoli can start to pick up pick up points themselves in that period, then they've got a chance of catching up with the likes of Cagliari, who I said earlier I think will tail off. So it's not over yet, but um, as you say, seven points is a big gap uh, coming up to the Christmas break. And um, I think there will be changes made, possibly, within the near future. I'm not sure if it's going to be a managerial change, but um, something's got to give sooner or later, you know, because they, they, they've set, again, high standards for themselves in the last few seasons. And if they're hovering, you know, outside the Europe, Europa League places, it's it's not going to be pull up with for long. No, no absolutely not. Um we were going to move to the next place on the table, but before we get there, we'll talk about Bologna-Milan because I was there. That was my second game on Sunday. Um, Milan won 3-2. It was a good win, a big three points for them. But they were made to really cling on at the end. They should have been in that position. They were in complete control for most of the game, but they, they somehow managed to nearly throw this away. Christoph Piontek got the opener from the penalties, but... Then Theo Hernandez made it two. Then Theo Hernandez scored an own goal. There was a lot of fun going on between Theo and the Bologna fans, by the way. Jack Bonaventura made it three. Uh, and then Nicolo Sansone scored a penalty that was conceded by Theo Hernandez. And yeah, it was a cagey end. Vito, was this the most Milan way to make a convincing win not end that convincingly? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The way Milan have been this season and recent years, yeah, it's just rather, I wouldn't say perplexing previous results have been perplexing but uh, this particular performance i think it just goes to show that 
clearly not the Milan of old. And although this is one of the better performances for the season, they still have this either lack of polish or this lack of uh, ability to manage games better than what most other top sides in Italy would be able to. Uh, if I had to pinpoint individuals, for instance, I think uh, Teo Hernandez, uh, he had a real Jekyll and Hyde kind of game. Excellent offensively, but defensively he was a liability. So I think to some extent he summed up Milan in a nutshell. There are good points about this Milan team, uh, most notably Giacomo Bonaventura, but of course, this team does have its share of flaws, and you know it could be due to the squad quality overall. Just the individual certain players are not what we expect of AC Milan, especially considering they've had such an illustrious history. Tao's going to be a lot of fun. He when he scored his goal, he went over to the corner flag and did a salute to the Bologna fans, which they didn't take too kindly to. Um, they were giving him serious abuse and then of course what was it eight minutes later he went and scored an own goal and no one knew who put the ball in the net and then when they announced it as his name which they don't often do they'll usually just say a goal and credit it to the nearest home team player but I think the guy knew what he was doing because he shouted out on goal everyone lost their minds it was one of the loudest eruptions of noise I've heard at a stadium this season it was unbelievable then when he went over halftime, they were giving him everything. They made the foul in the second half. And I think it's because it was him. They lost their heads a little bit more than they would have. And then the referee was almost forced to go and look at the side monitor for V. And obviously, once you look at that, you've got to give the penalty because it was, it was mindless. But yeah, for what he does on the pitch and his questionable defending, as well as his excellent prowess going forward, Teo's going to be fun to watch this season. So. Yeah, and have something about them. But Ben, can we focus on some positives? Because Milan are now, they've won back-to-back games. It's only the second time they've done that this season. Um, but winning at Parma, who are doing okay this season, and then winning at Bologna, two big wins. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, talking about Theo and talking about Milan, um, I think he's their joint top scorer this season, right? Which he is. <laughs> <laughs> which which says something. Um, obviously, Piatek um, is not firing on all cylinders. Um, people starting to question why. Again, was he a one-season wonder? Um, what's going on? Yeah, two two big wins for Milan though, and I think now if they can start to put together points slowly, then uh, they'll start to climb. But again, I can't see them challenging for for a top four place. They're a long way off, you know. The football they're playing is quite quite laboured at times. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, regardless, um, they've, they've just got to keep on plugging away. They've just got to keep on plugging away. This is it. Um, they've, they've got 20 points. So they're only one point behind both Napoli and Parma, but they're nine off the, the Champions League spot. So you, you've got to think that it's a bridge too far for them this season. But... Who knows? Football's weird, right? Strange things do happen. But so something that's not so strange was Giacomo Bonaventura being amazing again. And I wrote about him and Theo and Piontek actually in my analysis thing, which went up on Monday morning. So go read that. But Bonaventura is huge for Milan. And 
he was kind of forgotten about. And I hate this saying, but is he like a new signing for them coming into January? He is like a new signing for them. And I'm going to make the bold statement and say that without Bonaventura, you don't really have AC Milan. I feel that with him, you'll get a few extra positions up the table with him. I just see that whenever he's fit and in his best form, Milan are a better side with him in the team. He, you know, takes a bit of pressure off Suso and Chaganoglu to try and create something. Um, he's a bit more experienced than those two. And, yeah, he's both a creator and a scorer. So he offers many different characteristics to the Milan midfield. If he can continue this form, then Milan will keep uh, climbing up, in my opinion. If he, unfortunately, suffers another injury, then Milan will go back to struggling again, and then Milan fans and even the media will probably try and find new scapegoats if they're not already criticising the likes of Suzo, Chalkanoglu, Musakio, um, Ricardo Rodriguez, and whoever they like to criticise too. Some love for Suzo, the pass. Oh, my God, the pass he played for, for Teo's goal. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. If, you, if you've not seen it, go check that out, as well as checking out Atalanta's third goal. Um, quick note on Bologna. They're defensively terrible, like really, really terrible. When Mihailovic took over, the attack was the problem. What was it, last season they went six or seven games before they got the first goal? Mihailovic kind of sorted that bit out. They're not too bad when they've got the ball, but when they don't, trouble. Um, okay, moving on. Sampdoria lost 1-0 to Parma. Juraj Kuchka scored. Vito. Um, Parma are an alright side this season, I suppose. And Sampdoria aren't what they were. No, unfortunately. Um, credit must be given to Parma for playing a rather good defensive game, to be honest. Probably early on, before they scored, they were probably the ones that were attacking a bit more. Uh, but afterwards, they were happy to shut up shop. They probably only had two decent scoring chances afterwards. But I think seeing the way Sump were building their attacks, they were able to tighten things at the back. And I know you've criticised Luigi Seppe a few times on this pod, but he probably had one of his best games in a Parma jersey. He made some fine saves from Ronaldo Vieira, Omar Colley, and... Uh, and a couple others that are not spring to mind now, but he was really on his game for a change. And then, of course, he saved the penalty from Quayarella. So, mm. um, yeah, clear wasn't Sam's day, but Roberto D'Averso, once again, is doing a fantastic job with the plays that he has at his disposal. I, I maintain Sepe can be a good shot stopper, but it's always, it's expectation that lets him down. When you don't expect him to do something, he does it. When you expect expect him to do something he very much doesn't so that's my thing with him but anyway um Torino beat Fiorentina 2-1 Ben not really a surprise Fiorentina aren't very good not really not at all actually um I mean uh I think like I mentioned to you guys before we got going um football in the 90s uh nostalgia here Fiorentina were one of the sides that you could pretty much chalk up as being one of the best every season without fail. So to see their decline and the fact that it's not a surprise is very disappointing, yeah. Um, again, you know, um, where are they? They're sitting 13th in the table and only four points off relegation themselves, five points off relegation themselves. Um, it's 
So with some big games coming up uh, next time around, below them, I think, is uh, Samp Genoa, right? So one of those sides is likely to pick up points. And then we've got, uh, is it Spal Lecce as well? So, mm. you know, there's going to be movement from below them. So if they don't start uh, looking behind them, then they could soon see themselves dragged into that. Um, and again, I don't want to talk too early about relegation, but like you said before, Napoli seven points behind at this time. I mean, six points ahead of the relegation zone at this time for Argentina is also um, not a comfortable situation to be in. Absolutely. And like you said, Brescia host Lecce this weekend. And I think I'm going to that because it's quite a big game down there. One of them will pick up, uh, they'll both pick up at least a point, right? Genoa Sampa and Fiorentina are playing in. That is not the team you want to see coming to town when you are struggling like this. Um, so, yeah, big, big problems there. Lecce did play Genoa Vito and they got a 2 2 draw. I'm sure this was something that pleased you greatly given everything that's going on and people know your allegiances <laughs> it was a rather yeah rather exciting game let's say general just uh, the way the momentum would swing was unbelievable uh, scary to think that general could have been three nil up if uh, kevin ogudello had buried a chance uh, in the second half but then uh Lecce managed to change the momentum, especially through Filippo Falco, who had an excellent game when he came on, involving both goals, including the first goal, which was an excellent curling shot. But, yeah, to see both Goran Pandev and Agudelo receive those red cards, that really, yeah, that really affected Genoa. Lecce, they're the kind of team, they will, if they come out of the defensive show, they can play some football when they want to. And uh, they were probably unfortunate not to get the win themselves. Uh, speaking of the derby, I think this is great for Sampdoria because they're missing two players who are important to them. Even uh, Agudelo, he's young, but under Motta, he has played quite well for the Griffone. So I think those sending offs alone, uh, some can take confidence in that. But at the end of the day, uh, the Blue Chikati got to look at themselves and try to utilise their own strengths, not just uh, pounce on any flaws that Genoa have. No, for sure. you got to think the Derby's come out at the perfect time, right? If they win that, they go into Christmas, a couple more games coming up, could go in on a real high and then reevaluate in the quick break and make a charge up the table then. Because as we kind of jokingly said, it's quite a good squad. They, they shouldn't be where they are, but here we are. Um, you look below below that, Genoa now 18th, Brescia in 19th after beating Spal. 1-0 in Ferrara and Andrea Batania missed the 75th minute penalty. Painful. Painful. I need to pop down to Ferrara again to see what's going on there. But a huge win for Brescia. Ben, Mario Balotelli on the score sheet. Well, yeah, and it's his 50th it was his 50th 50th Serie A goal as well. Um, and I think if you look at Brescia and you look at them um, surviving I think you're looking towards Mario to pick up the pick up the vital goals in the big games, and if they have these games where they have a chance of of snatching a one nil defeat or you know scraping a result, I think you're looking at Mario himself to to do things at the business end of the pitch. Yeah, so fantastic result for them when I think most people write them off on a weekly basis. So yeah, for sure, right? Because when they came up, people thought, uh, 
It's just Baladali. I still do think that. But Donnarumma's quite good when he plays. But Vito, how big is it that Eugenio Carini's back on the bench? I mean, Fabio Grosso's time on the bench was an, a disaster. What, four games, no goals, 10 conceded. And Carini hadn't done a bad job before he was dismissed. No, he, I thought he was doing a decent enough job. And if you were going to sack him for another coach, Brescia needed someone with more experience and quality than Fabio Grosso. I still think Grosso needs more time in Serie B to polish his tactics and develop a greater CV and reputation in coaching. Corini seems to be well-liked by the Brescia fans, especially being a local boy. And uh, now that he's back, I think Cellino should try and stick with him as much as they can. And ultimately, I think it's more squad that that needs to be addressed more than any sort of coaching issues. Yeah, it does seem. After the, the derby defeat against Atalanta, I think I mentioned last week, the the Curva were singing Perini's name, so they made it quite clear they wanted him back. And Rosso, I mean... Dropped back down to Serie B, get another job there, I think is probably the best thing for him to build his CV. Anyway, guys, we've we've made it to the end. Ben, a successful debut. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much. We've, we've got Cagliari Lazio, or Lazio Cagliari, I can't remember which way, next week. So we might be in touch um, one way or another. We'll get your voice back on the podcast very, very soon. Um, Vito, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Connor. Is your team of the week done and dusted? Uh, yes, it is. It's, it's on the website now. Um, probably need to share it a bit more on social media, especially Instagram and Twitter. But, yeah, another quick note on the Lazio game. I was saying this to one of my followers on Facebook. I picked three Lazio players, but they were probably that good. I was, I would have been tempted to put five if, if that was acceptable because they played that well. Um Manuel Lazzari and Lucas Leiva were a bit unlucky to miss out. But have a look at the team. Give me your thoughts, everyone. Um, criticism, praise, either way. Uh, more than happy to hear your two cents, within reason, of course. Criticism's always welcome, within reason. Um, absolutely. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up there. Um, everyone listening, head over to portitalianfootball.com. In the meanwhile, Champions League games this week, some big ones. We'll have pieces on those, obviously. Coverage, analysis, whatever you like. And then we're back with more hashtag FAF at the games next weekend. I'll be at a stadium. If Cali are at home, Ben will be at a stadium. and We'll be all over the place. There you go. And it's a big one. So be sure to head over. Get Ben on Twitter and Instagram and all the rest of it as well. You'll see a clicky thing to his profile on at Serie IFFC. All right, goodbye. Bye bye. scampi e chianti calamari, Luca sei per me. Numero uno. Cannoloni, Lucacioni, pepperoni, Luca sei per me. Numero uno. Bella donna, mamma mia, alimento show a Roma, Roma, libri, amore mio. Mozzarella, mortadella, mi Nutella, Luca, sei per me? Numero uno. Stand by for action.
Folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season grab kleenex and face allergies head on when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.